This is the Comedy Kiosk podcast by Monday and Munoz. Please welcome Monday and Munoz. Welcome to the Comedy Kiosk, a podcast in which we discuss news, opinions, facts, and ideas about comedy. I'm David, and this is Igor Monday. Yeah, and today we'll be discussing Can you learn how to be funny? So, do you think that a person that's just funny, funny in the office, funny at home, funny with friends, does it translate to stand-up comedy? Are they no. immediately funny on stage, or at least is it easier for them to be funny on stage? Oh, yes and no. I think that they can get away with more if they're naturally charismatic, because what you're talking about is charisma. And that's part of stage presence, being charismatic, you know, in some way, whether you're the, the charming, nervous person even, or the, I have no, like Stephen Wright, like I have no personality, I speak in a deadpan voice, but it's a certain charm to it. Like, you know, you do it with confidence. Uh, there was one time after a show, I remember someone talking about like, oh, I could never do stand up because I'm not confident or whatever. Oh, I can't remember, he made some remark and then he was talking about how he was surprised that someone could do it because they didn't seem confident. It was like, well, no, they are confident. They're just, their persona is being a nervous wreck, but they are actually confident that they know what they're doing on stage. It is part of the persona. You can be both. You can be a nervous wreck and yet confidence at the same time. I don't know. What do you reckon? Well, I think this depends on, because uh, charisma, I think is a very strong point mm. for any kind of performance, live performance, etc., like stage performance, yeah. uh, including stand-up. But I wouldn't say that all like class clowns or like the office joker and so on, that they have charisma. But they have confidence usually to make a dick of themselves. They have confidence, <laughs> but also maybe they don't have confidence and that's the way they attract attention and try to be the, the interesting one, to, to have something interesting about them. So they kind of force humor and jokes. And, you know, I'm talking about the guys that, uh, you know, come to you to your like to your workplace and be like oh hey you know what happens when you put i don't know german shepherd and a ladybug together you get the german lady right i'd see you see you next break was you this know? you <laughs> this was not me and i brilliantly just came up with that joke uh, as i was telling it but <laughs> <laughs> i would not put that in your resume <laughs> How dare you? It's my it's my opener for my Netflix special. I was keeping this joke and now I spoiled it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But surprise is ruined. Yeah. Damn it. Think of a new punchline. Not German ladies anymore. Well, I mean, I I kind of feel like with the right comic, with the right confidence, and uh-huh. you could even sell that joke. Uh-huh. And but this is what I was getting at the beginning. Those people may be able to get away with it more, or be able to fake it better at the beginning. And people might start thinking, oh, wow. And that's when you might get the comment like, wow, you've been doing it for a while, haven't you? And the was like, no, it's my first time. <gasps> but it's like, yeah, it doesn't mean that the quality of the jokes are going to be good, if you know what I mean. So that's, what, that's exactly what I was talking about. Thank you for proving my point. Okay, you're welcome. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think, well, that's, that's the point. Like where if you get those jokes that you do with your friends at mm-hmm. the office, uh, at uni, whatever, if you come up with those jokes, mm-hmm. so if you're not just telling pop jokes, dad jokes, they're just being annoying. Mm-hmm. But if you are witty, you know, yeah. if you're like, uh, or like sarcastic or like observational, you're like, mm-hmm. hey, what's the deal with the elevator? Yeah. You know, like that's kind of, uh, what's the deal with uh, canteen food, the science yeah. stuff and whatever. So you just you observe the world around you and you discuss it with your friends or colleagues or whatever, peers, and 
they get a laugh out of it. Yeah. The way you, I think that's that can translate really well on on, on yeah. the stage. But if you are the the joke reteller, you know, mm-hmm. I, I tell jokes that I've read on the internet or some memes or some like dad jokes, pop jokes, and I'm the funny one. Then I think you're you're fucked if you try to do it in stand up. And I think people do. I think people think, oh, all my friends say I'm funny. Yeah. But that's because I send them memes or whatever. But they say I'm funny so I can do stand-up, which mm-hmm. I think is uh, quite a different skill or different uh, type of art or whatever to just, you know, to retell some funny stuff, to be like a database of jokes and to actually come up with jokes and perform them. Yeah, well, this is, this is where... Okay. Oh, it's because it's kind of a complicated thing because in a way, like... Okay, so what you've touched upon is the different facets of doing stand-up. Stand-up is not just the joke. It's, it's, it's what, we're, what we're really saying is there are different parts, different elements that make stand-up. That's really what we're discussing. And one of it is joke writing. The other one is stage presence. Another one is delivery, timing, all that sort of stuff. The other one could be like language or like more to do with the persona, like how you phrase things and things like that. So it's, you're really, you're breaking it down. What we're saying then is someone, in this case, someone who's good at telling jokes, they've got that, maybe their persona way of saying it, or maybe they've got that stage presence. They say it with confidence, but they haven't worked on their actual writing an original joke. They don't write original jokes, but they're good at telling a joke. They're good joke tellers. So that part, the performance part, they've already started working on. Now they just got to work on the next bit. Now, on the other hand, someone else could be someone who thinks of really funny things, but maybe they're shy and they don't say it, or maybe they only say it with their friends and they have, uh, like you said, a dry way of saying it or whatever, and they get a laugh. But that means they're working mainly on their joke writing, but maybe their personality, their thing sucks. So in that way... They're maybe not known as the funny one, but deep down they really are funny. It's just that they haven't found a way to present it or to make it palatable on stage. All right, so they have like half of the work done, right? Yeah, so either both they, sides have it, but they're just different aspects. Yeah, so either you have the performance aspect or yeah. you have the writing aspect, right? Yeah, and I let's think what's say, usually recognized the quickest is the performance aspect. Yeah, so let's say you have like a class clown, mm-hmm. a guy that's like the center of attention, yeah. always cracks jokes, witty and whatever, but doesn't like right material yeah. it's just like you know he's he's just there with a quick joke he saw on instagram on reddit or whatever like yeah, a meme yeah. or something like on the other hand you have a person that writes really well and can like think of funny things and yeah. ways to like subvert twist and so on but he's not a good performer we will talk about in a minute i think uh, can the other part be learned yeah but do you think someone who has neither Ooh. can still be uh, stand-up comedian. I won't say a successful stand-up comedian because this is a whole other topic. How yeah. to define? But to do okay, let's say tight ten. Yeah, yeah. So get up on stage, get laughs. Yeah, get up on stage, get laughs every I don't know twenty, thirty seconds, yeah. every minute maybe if it's like a story or something. Yeah. But to do because I think tight three or tight five yeah. is easy. Not I, w- I won't say easy, but okay, easier. Because to hold the audience's attention for five minutes, I think even if you're not particularly funny, you can use another gimmick. Uh, if you are, a, yeah. I don't know, a girl in a tight dress, 
you're gonna get attention. If you're a guy who's wearing a Batman costume during this performance, if you have some kind of funny voice, funny voice, accent, mm. you brought a guitar, yeah. I don't know, you, you, you use like a, a triangle after every joke, like you hit a, a mm -hmm. bell or something, like they're gonna listen to you for five minutes. They're not gonna die of laughter, but you can do like good, solid, maybe tight five minutes. Yeah. But let's say 10, 15, 20, like a proper club set, mm. okay? 20, okay, let's say 20, because yeah. I think even 10, you can get away with like five minutes of gimmicks yeah. and then maybe five minutes of some material that you worked on so much that it works. So let's say 20. Yeah. So do you think someone without either this kind of natural performance, charisma and skill or writing talent or whatever can still be a good comedian? Uh, straight off the bat? No, with training, uh, with, with Practice work, time. with time, with uh, yeah. maybe some other ways yeah. of, yeah? Yeah, I think so, yeah. I think you can learn it. Uh, we've touched on this before, I, I've mentioned it before. I think we've learned it. We, we all have. We all learn how, to, how to, to do it. The only difference is, is that person will be learning it directly while being on stage and from the get-go. The thing is, we've learned it by, well, most of us have learned it by growing up and being around friends and learning to develop that personality or that charisma or that confidence or that, you know, telling a joke is maybe we've told the same story a thousand times at a party because we know it's the way, okay, the cheesy thing, it's going to sound very cliche, but it's the way to impress a girl, for example, right? And so we have like guys, a lot of guys will have stock standard stories that they will tell girls they've just met, but they'll tell every girl that they've just met in order to paint a good picture of them or make them seem funny or it's a funny anecdote. And all you do is you grab that anecdote and you can tell on a stage. But that's it. You have been practicing it. You've probably said that thing so many times that next time, without even consciously being aware of it, you might switch the words around because you did it by accident and you realized, oh, the girl got an extra little twinkle in her eye or whatever. Yeah, well, at some point we've all learned it, obviously. Like, yeah. no one was born a stand-up comedian. So what I'm saying is if you haven't already learned it in your own, like, personal life, mm -hmm. right? So let's say that we have started developing these skills since... I don't know, some point in our lives. And we could I talk. <laughs> so since I was maybe six, yeah. I, 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 I'm the funny one, you know, or whatever at some point. So I've had good 20 years of developing those skills uh, before I first time stepped on the stage on a stand-up open mic, yeah. right? So someone without any of these skills, if they start today to try to develop, would it take them the same 20 years? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. we have it. No, I think it'd us. be more boiler room. I think it'd be like pressure cooker sort of thing. I think they would develop it faster because the thing is, and they could do things that they can record themselves, they can watch back, they can tighten it. They have other comedians telling them because we do, we give each other feedback, you know, and especially if they ask for it, if they kind of go, look, can you give me some feedback? And we'd say, okay, fine. Um, this is what's working. This is what's not. You need to try to do this. Have you thought about changing this around? So we can actually fix that, you know what I mean? Like they, they would have almost a much more hands-on thing. We did it before kind of intuitively or very slowly or whatever. This person gets a pressure cooker, which in a way would mean they cut out all that time. So maybe it would take them three or four years what we took 20 years of our lives figuring out. So yeah, I think, I think they can be taught. All right, so let's then consider that and keeping that in mind that half of this skill so either performance or writing mm -hmm. or even both as mm -hmm. you say can be learned do you think it what's the way to learn it can it be learned through some 
let's say, how would you call that? Uh, so not, not by doing, but by studying. Mm-hmm. Like by reading yeah. about it, by yep. attending a course in it, by watching I don't know, YouTube videos, by talking to other people. Do you think it can be learned any other way besides getting up on that stage once, twice, ten times a week and just doing it? Yeah, absolutely. Have you done any course or any looked at anywhere to kind of help you? I have not, but I mean, I think I have, I have taught some kind of workshops, yeah. master classes and stuff on how to host, how to crowd work, how to do this and that. But I think this is more, it's not some kind of formal education structure yeah. or whatever. It's more like a group of friends, peers, uh, whatever, comedians that you perform with, yeah. just giving some advice from personal experience. Yeah. I won't, wouldn't call it, but there are legit kind of courses mm-hmm. done, I don't know, you know, 16 hours, five meetings, uh, this much money, this yeah. much time per day, this what you learn, you get a certificate, you yeah. know, like a proper school of comedy, school of stand-up, there yeah. are such things, and uh, books on how to write a joke, yeah. how to be a successful comedian, mm-hmm. this and that. So you think that you can learn from such uh, sources? I think they can assist, definitely. Uh, like, for example, um, there was one point where, after I'd already been doing it for about three or four years, and I actually wanted to get into this later on, uh, after I'd been doing it for a while, I then looked up some web pages on how to write jokes. Just have a look, kind of going, oh, actually, that's why that bit of mine works. Not realizing I'd use these structures, but or I'd done some variation of it, but basically seeing it was actually helping in a way to then deconstruct it. And then that helps you write more of that style, for example, or know why it's successful, for example. So I have done that loosely. I've got it saved on my... I mean to go back and double check it. But like, for example, Eddie Izzard, great comedian he does this surreal satire sort of stuff and he goes abstract and marvelous and from what i understand he did a course he did a proper course he did these like workshop classes and they performed their standards and at the end it was go to a club and perform your set sort of stuff and he had honed and worked in it in a workshop and that helped him develop his kind of persona the way he did it and stuff because you have someone it's like i said before Normally we do it in a club setting informally. That was just a formal setting. And he paid for it and he ended up with the results that he wanted. And from there, he built and built. And I think that sped up his process in a way. So one, Eddie Izzard did that. So that's one way, like you were saying. Another uh, comedian, he performs in Australia, but he's actually of, I think, I believe Venezuelan background. Um, His name is Ivan Aristegueta. Uh, really good, love his stuff, um, and he does it from like the the Latino uh, immigrant to Australia sort of perspective when he performs in Australia and Australian society. Now he's oh, he sets it just beautifully done, absolutely hilarious, simple, nice, well structured, everything is great. Then when I was listening to his interview in the Comedians Comedians podcast, um, he was saying that he at the beginning, even before he did stand up, he literally listened. And watch stand-up sets or professionals like proper specials like hour-long sets uh specials and he wrote them out verbatim he wrote out the entire script by just listening writing rewinding listening writing and that helped a lot with his joke structures he said by doing that technique that's self that's just self-analysis but not of your work of someone else's work yeah i mean i i agree that you all these kind of things can help you yeah they can help you, especially 
they can help you maybe find some structure. They can yeah. help you maybe find some new point of view, new understanding, new ideas to create some kind of new approach to how you write, how you perform, yeah. etc. Because when you, you have a punchline, yeah. yeah, you will have an objective source. Mm -hmm. Be that a book that has never met you or your teacher, mentor, or something that works directly with you and with your jokes and with your sets. Mm -hmm. But still you will get like a impartial third party yeah. that will, let's say, uh, review and feedback on your existing work and somehow give advice and guidelines, etc. Yeah. But this is, I think this works. So you can get, using this, you can get from, I don't know, 6 out of 10 to 8 out of 10. Yeah. To talk about the quality of your 20 minutes, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but can you get from 0 to, to 10? Like, using this. Because I think for, again, I think it's a very hands-on experience and very hands-on skill and talent and whatever. I think you have to be on that stage mm -hmm. because otherwise you will never learn it. Uh, because, okay, let me give you an, give well, an example. <laughs> you have to because stand-up is on stage. Yeah, sometimes. So, so otherwise, you're not doing stand-up. You're just you're just a really funny writer. Yeah, but so that that was my question. If you go on stage, you do I don't know ten open mics. Yeah, and you bomb each time. So you do five minutes without any laughter. Yeah, you bomb each time. I don't know ten, hundred, how many you want. Then you say, no, I'm determined. I will become a funny stand-up comic. Yeah, you take six months. You take a year, whatever. You take six months. You read all the books about stand-up. Mm -hmm. You go, you take courses from uh, whoever, from Bill Burr and from Jimmy Carr and from Kevin Hart and whatever, to work on all of your, to work on your charisma, on your publicity, on your writing, on your, uh, I don't know, connections, on your, you know, like industry rules and whatever, how it all works, right? Mm -hmm. So you get all the insights, you get all the mentoring, all the tutoring, everything mm -hmm. you can. Uh, then you whatever like you you write a bunch of stuff you write throw it away rewrite it throw it away practice in front of the mirror throw it away and then with your 20 you come on stage and you kill mm -hmm. do you think this is possible yeah 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 because I, I think i personally i think it's not and i'll explain why i think it's possible with some things like when i was a teenager i was really into rap yeah and there was this one guy he basically like he recorded at home in, uh, with, in his home studio uh, some kind of album of 10 songs yeah. and released it. It was his first ever attempt at uh, hip-hop mm -hmm. and it was pretty shit, right? And people were like, man, this is, this is pretty shit, right? And he was, but it was like a big passion and dream of his and whatever. He said, actually, it is pretty shit. It was the first thing I've ever made and I don't know much about this industry and how to work with this and so on, but you know, I, I want to be better than this. I don't want to put out my stuff publicly and then people shit on it. Yeah. So he disappeared for like two years. Mm -hmm. What he did is he kept like writing, recording, producing, writing, recording, producing at home. Yeah. Until after two years, he released an album and it was just brilliant. Right. So he took everything best from his like influences, from mm -hmm. his role models. He did every song he recorded, I don't know, 50 times yeah. until every word, every like yep. pause, everything he, he, he did as he want, exactly as he wanted. Yep. So no compromise with quality, no nothing. He like really did a million times. Two years it took him to record like 10 songs, but right. they were great, mm -hmm. right? But I think that's the kind of thing that you can 
you can do by yourself. You can do music by yourself. In the end, people will listen to it. But again, they can either listen to it or turn it off. And that's it. So, But I think with stand-up, the main thing is the immediate audience reaction. Uh-huh. And how do you know when you have a good 20 minutes? If you don't have that trial and error, you've done this joke, 30% of it worked. Then you rewrote it, 60% of it worked. Then yeah. you rewrote it, 63% of it worked. But then the thing that worked last time now suddenly doesn't work because mm-hmm. that room got it, this room didn't get it. Yeah. Because I think it's a very, it's, it's alive. I think stand-up performance and stand-up writing and so on. And even a joke, that's a killer joke, right? Mm-hmm. It's a joke that works, yeah. will work only seven out of 10 times. Yeah. I don't think there is a joke that will work for every room in every city oh, yeah, yeah. for every person. Yeah, no, that's true. But I mean, the same thing can be said for songs. I mean, you know, he did what, what was his style? Hip hop or something? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, all of a sudden you take it to a classical music venue and you might find that a lot of the people there are going to be like, mm, nah, nah, not my style of music. I mean, his music is, it's still good. It's well produced or anything, but some of them might go, eh, it's shit. No, well, because here. it's not to do with. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not talking. Not, this is this is now subjective quality. Well, yeah. If you yes. are not into stand up, even Louis C.K. and Bill Burr will mean nothing to you. You'll say, "I don't like stand up." Yeah, yeah. So I'm talking objective quality, right? Yeah. Can you do objectively strong 20 minute set by going to schools and reading about it and listening podcasts? Can you on, have objective comedy? Can you have objective? Okay, comedy? you know what I mean, like that you have. You, you know, like you have a premise, you have a punchline. Punchline is a, a twist on expectation or the yeah. rule of three or whatever. Uh, the observation is unique and not like something that you've heard on, a, on another yeah, show. It's not it's, so, I mean, it's 20 minutes of objectively good material. Yeah. Who will laugh or won't? Like, you know what I mean, right? Yeah, because, but this is, this is also where you're going to think. Like, what we're thinking, we're talking about now a lot of times with these books, they will tell, tell you the traditional style set up punchline set up punchline sort of thing make a twist you know do what what you know the audience expects and then the twist that changes the narrative all these classic things you know rule of three one two three you know if you're going to do your punchlines the tags and stuff like that like this is the stuff that you're going to get from books and courses they're going to tell you the basic the the kind of the the core well-worn tropes that everyone pretty much knows or that you pick up very quickly to help you. Now, on the other hand, there might be someone who is like this avant-garde, alternative comedian, sort of like your, uh, okay, let's say you're more like your Ross Noble or your Noel Fielding, you know, who does some really bizarre-ass stuff. Now, some people could be, you know, you could watch the example Noel Fielding where you're like, wow, he's crap, like as in, he doesn't make any sense what his, sh- his shit is not funny. But some other people will love him and say that he's absolutely brilliant and that he is a master of his craft. He's a master of this uh, abstract, absurd, uh, over-the-top, weird, artistic style of comedy. And, you know, it just depends on whether you appreciate it or not. Now, the thing is, that's down to confidence where I'm sure when he came out and started doing that stuff, there were people who told him, you're not funny, mate. Give up. That shit is not funny. That shit is just weird. You're just being a weirdo on stage. They're laughing at you, not with you. And all that sort of thing. I'm pretty sure he would have heard that. A lot of alternative comedians would have heard this from people going, like when they said, I'm getting into stand, they're like, yeah, but you're not funny. Why? Because they're thinking of the traditional sort of joke. But they've got the, the thing is they have the confidence at least to go, no, I'm going to keep at it. Well, I think there is a difference there between it's not funny mm-hmm. and people don't like it. Yeah, people don't get it. People don't get it. 
because that's the difference. Because I think yeah. if we talk about alternative scene and, and such kind of comics, uh, even people like, I mean, I don't think when Jimmy Carr started being a guy in a suit doing crass one-liners, mm -hmm. that people were like, oh, yes, let's like sell out 5,000 room theater. Mm -hmm. Like it was, I think, a small number of people who were like, oh, this I get, this is what I can laugh at. Yeah. But then it was 50 people, then it was 100, then it was 500, then it was 1,000, then it was 5,000, yeah. right? So you kind of teach people, uh, uh, you know, like you kind of develop, you find your audience, you yeah. find your audience. But, but it was always funny. There was just not enough people to appreciate it. Or, or he just yeah. he didn't find those right people. So I think Ross Noble and uh, no, Fielding. no Fielding and whoever is doing alternative comedy, there is this guy, I keep forgetting his name, he's an American comic and he's done even like TV appearances and stuff. He's basically, he looks homeless yeah. and he kind of, his whole set is, you don't know, is it a set or is he just saying stuff that comes to his mind? But obviously yeah. it's a set, but he delivers it in such way. Which looks very chaotic and it's a very acquired taste, yeah, yeah. I guess. And people like this, uh, Marcel Lupon and mm. stuff like this. So I, I think it's, I don't think it's, it's uh, not funny. Yeah. I just think it's not for everyone. Mm -hmm. But I'm saying the stuff that's not funny. Yeah, but what I'm saying is like those things, you can't really do a course on how to do alternative comedy and stuff like that. Like this is something you're just gonna have to have the confidence to be able to go, right, I'm gonna try something. It's not, nothing from a book, but I'm going to give it a shot. But what I'm saying is that you, using these books, these courses and things like that, you can definitely get a foundation, but, and I think you can succeed, and, but it'll be a very traditional style of comedy. And maybe from that, you can then work your way out. Because even a lot of these alternative com comics will actually, they're, what sounds, what looks chaotic and what looks like absurdist weird stuff actually has the, still the same fundamental structure. It still has the same sort of beats. It's just that their beats, the way that they present those beats are in a very strange and unusual way. But a lot of times they will have, it still has these rules. They're still following it. So I think you can learn how to do it. But I think also this is where maybe the difference is a truly funny person, maybe someone who can improvise in a way like their mind can improvise in different directions. Otherwise you just become a very mediocre stock standard. Maybe. Well, I think... Yeah, it's kind of like music, right? So there yeah. is, I know, classical music, yeah. which you can learn all the like solfeggio or whatever it's called, all the yeah. like the the notes, the the whatever. Yeah, scales and yeah, forms. yeah, exactly. And you will be able to play a classical piece. And then yeah. there are genres of music that just broke the mold, like punk yeah. or whatever, where there is like different parts or like jazz, mm. right? Which is like improvisation. You just feel yeah. it. You go with the flow and stuff like this. But at the end of the day. You still, even for jazz, you have to know the, the beats, you have to know the notes, you have to yeah. know the... So I think some foundation, yes, yeah. you can get some frame framework yeah. you can get for what stand-up is and how it should look. Yeah. And then once you know that, you can break it. Well, like, yeah, You can exactly. break the mold once you know the mold. Yeah, it's it's like, you know, what they, the whole martial arts thing, you know, you spend your first 20 years getting up to a black belt and only to discover, actually, that's just the beginner phase. You've now learned the fundamentals. Now you got to start doing it so it fits you. And that's what freestyle. I mean. Freestyle. Yeah, freestyle time. And the same thing with, with music, absolutely. Um, same thing with, with stand-up. Yeah, I think it, it's basically you learn the rules you learn the fundamental, and you, I remember once we did a workshop, and someone was, uh, Ollie was trying to like explain the basic structures or the, you know the basic ideas of comedy, and this person was just constantly like, 
but I don't want to follow the rules, blah, blah, blah. And at one point, I like literally just looked at the person and said, why did you sign up for this workshop? It's like the whole point is to learn this stuff so you can do this stuff and then you can start breaking it. Like, you know, you can start, it's like, but so-and-so doesn't do it. It's like, yeah, of course they don't, but they've been doing it for 30 years. Like they can do whatever the hell they want at this point. It's, it's in their bones. Like they've, they've internalized it. And this person just was wanting to be the avant-garde, like I want to do my own stuff. And yeah, you know, it was that sort of thing. So it was just, but it was a funny little moment because we're all just looking at him going, why, why are you here then? Like, why did you sign up for this? Like, if you're not, if you're going to critique every step. Well, I, I think even those things that they will tell you in books, in mm. on those courses, on whatever, like stand up for dummies, whatever it is, it can, it works if it works for you. Yeah. Right. So all of them will tell you, and I've, I've never read any of them and I've never attended any like stand up school, but I know of such materials and, and such sources and they will tell you things as uh, if you have an idea write it down then like expand on it make like Shit, that's to, where I've been going the, wrong huh to the yeah <laughs> to the point of like absurdity like yeah. play with it twist it and write down your joke like as a script right yeah. then learn it and repeat it in front of the mirror to your friends practice it until you tighten it so it's all funny blah blah and yeah for like I think 50 60 90 percent of comics yeah. that's the way to go and then, on the other hand, I look at myself and I've never written a joke in my life, in, in my life, in like seven years I'm performing, I've never written a joke, which doesn't mean I've never come up with a joke. I yeah. mean like written, like wrote out a word, each word I'm going to be used. To this day, yeah. a lot of my jokes, I've learned them by heart, by repeating them a hundred times, yeah. but not by learning them from a piece of paper. Well, so Billy Connolly is famous for the fact that because of his dyslexia or something like that, he just was incapable of writing down and and then because otherwise he'd write it down try to read it and it was just gobbledygook so it was just like eh. and as i said a lot of people with dyslexia actually you know so there's like quite a few actors and things who have suffered tom cruise and all this sort of stuff who've suffered and what that means is it forces them to memorize and so they get really good at memorization and learning whole pieces of text off by heart and like and then they can just focus on the beats and the rhythm and stuff so yeah well that's that's the final thing that i would lean into because I think and that's how I learn my jokes I learn I learn literally learn my learn my own jokes mm. by performing them yeah. so the way I, I I recently found the joke I've been doing now for maybe five years I found a recording of maybe two years into me doing this joke mm -hmm. right and then I have it from last uh, spring or whatever it was when we like last time we we could travel and and, and do like okay, what was the time shows. period between the two then so it was between 2016 and 2020 so four years right so at one point the joke was two years old and the, the other or a one year old let's say the joke was a year old mm -hmm. and then the other point it was five years old mm -hmm. right and that joke even though it's exactly the same joke could not be different well, could not be more different mm. because the punchline is the same you know the idea is the same yeah. uh, but the way i tell it the yeah. tags the little uh, additions that make the punchline funnier because yeah. you already have some expectations so on one not 100% different it's exactly it's the same joke but it has evolved so much mm. just by me doing it if i sat down and try to rewrite it a hundred times yeah. I would never do it because when I did it after the first year, I thought this is a finished joke. Yeah, it's it has 
its beginning, it has its end, it has the small punchline, big punchline, and tags in the middle. This is a finished joke. Yeah. But then the more I told it, the more I realized where I can add things, what yeah. I can omit, what I can, I don't know, change, what I can bend, what yeah. I can, I don't know, underline, etc., yeah. etc. So that's why I think, honestly, like all other tools and sources aside, I think they can be useful to an extent and I think they can be useful to a particular kind of person that learns by learning, if that makes sense. That, yeah. lear that, that learns by, you know, because also, like, basically anything, in my, like I, I would never, if someone told me, here's a bicycle, do you know how to ride it? I said, no. Okay, do you want to ride it? I said, yes. I would never think I should find a book how to ride a bicycle. No, I would sit on that bicycle and fall down a hundred times, scrape my knees, break my arm, and then learn how to ride that bicycle. But there are some people who would like go to YouTube and check how to ride a bicycle, yeah. right? Which are the best shoes to wear? What kind of balance you can uh, achieve? What kind of speed? What kind of, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I think it depends on the person. Yeah, because everyone's a different style of learner. Physical learners, people who learn best through repetition, people who are audio learners, etc. Yeah. Yeah, but I think for like overall, I think stand-up is such a practical thing mm. that you have to learn it on stage. You know, it's just like you, you have to learn it by doing it yeah. and you have to learn it by doing it in front of people. It can be three people at a workshop, 10 people at an open mic yeah. or 100 people at a show, but you have to learn it as a, as a live art. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you there. But the question is like, can, can you learn to be funny and I think in essence yes you can but you'll only get so far but like you know you, you can't you're not going to finish doing a workshop and go right now I'm going to fork down like you know $30,000 to get my Netflix special without once having been on stage right you're not going to finish your workshop and even if you're even if you're a millionaire you're not going to plonk down that money to record a Netflix special you're going to get on stage and work it of course that's part that's element of it I, I completely ag agree that yes you have to go on stage to learn it but I think there's, there's different ways you can go about it. You can, maybe you are, like you said, you're a learner sort of person, you like structured sort of things, then you can start with the workshop before you ever go on stage. You learn, you practice at home, it may even take you a year before you get the courage to go up on stage with the material you have, but you feel pretty confident through that workshop, through everything, that is good material. So even if you have a shitty crowd, you might go, all right, Obviously, well, not a shitty crowd, but like a crowd that just doesn't get that style of humor, then you go, okay, that's that. Or you can say, okay, the jokes are good, but my, my presentation is not at its best at this point. Now I need to work on presentation, right? On the other hand, you can be the other kind of person who gets up and starts doing it on stage and stage and stage, and that's all you ever do. Or three, you're someone who gets up on stage, does it, and then you do a course. This kind of brings me to the last example that I have. Brian Molko, the lead singer and guitarist of Placebo. Right, uh, I remember hearing an interview with him where he was discussing uh, learning the guitar. Like he, it was an interview in Guitar Magazine or something like Guitar World or whatever. And what was interesting was he said his recommendation, because the way he learned it, he's like, buy yourself a guitar, play the guitar for four years, don't take a single lesson, just listen to it, put your fingers wherever you want, figure out what sounds good. Just, you know, basically just have fun for four years with this instrument, just goofing around, trying different sounds and whatever. Then, he's like, if you want, then take lessons. Because I never did, but I would recommend it after four years. And that reminded me of when I first got given the saxophone by my dad. 
that I played it and I just fiddled around, no idea what I was doing, I just held down keys, heard different sounds and strung them together and created my own rhythms and beats. Then I started to learn at the school, part of the school band. Problem is you learn, you know, classical style music, Ode to Joy, blah, 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 Beethoven, or you learn things like Barbaran by the Beach Boys, which is probably the most exciting piece that we ever played, and boring. But you learn these scouts and it was really boring. To the point that one day after I'd given up playing the saxophone, my father made the remark of, you know what? You played better for the first two weeks than you did afterwards. The moment you started taking lessons, you became bogged down and stuck, right? He's like, that improvisation stuff, goes, that was actually really good. There were some really good rhythms and tunes. It was like pure jazz. And he's like, I think you almost stifled your gift a little bit there, sort of thing. And I think that's why, like you were saying before, it depends on the person, depends on the learner. But what I would recommend, and what I've started to do now, is now that I have been doing comedy for, oh God, I don't know, how much, five, six years or something now? Uh, something like that. I'm now, that's why I started looking at the webpage, how to write jokes. Because I'm like, okay, I feel it. I get on stage, but still, I'd like to know. That's what I was saying before. I now can look at bits sometimes and go, oh, that's why that works, right? Because I've done this. Interesting. Okay, so now in future, hopefully they'll help. But it's good to know that you've already done it, that instinctively you know how to do it. But it's also good to have it pointed out to kind of go, all right, so that's that. And then other times when you go, wait, but that doesn't follow any structure. Oh, so I've done my own thing there. Great. Now something maybe I can develop for myself. Yeah, my own but, distinctiveness. But the question that we are trying to answer is, uh, can you learn to be funny? Yeah. And the <laughs> other question that we are now discussing is, can I become a better comedian? Yeah. Which I think... Or can I be successful? Well, this is completely That's another different thing. Level. Like, yeah. yeah. But can I, be a, can I become a better comedian? I think, yes, you can. Yeah. And workshops and uh, mm -hmm. schools and friends and recording mm -hmm. yourself and watching it back. We'll see, that's things it. Like yeah. this. I think this will help you yeah. see your mistakes, see your, like, I don't know, advantages, disadvantages, mm -hmm. play your strengths, uh, fix your uh, weaknesses. Things like this. Yeah. So, if again, if you're a 5 out of 10 comedian, I think you can get to 7 out of 10, 9 out of 10 by self-improving. Yeah. Either from like workshop, feedback of other people, hiring a mentor, whatever, teacher, a tutor, yeah. something. Yes, someone who's going to basically help you see things you don't see yeah. and suggest or whatever, help you with the ways of improving those yeah. things. So, I think you can become a better comedian. I mm -hmm. think... But can you learn how to be funny? This is... Yeah. I think you can... And, and my conclusion, my answer would be, you can learn how to do stand-up, but you can't learn to be funny. Because I think you can learn the format, you can learn the formula, mm. you can learn the maybe some kind of trigger responses to, to things. You can learn how to... Right, you can learn how to perform. You can learn where to put your hands, where to, uh, how to do your body movement. You can learn public speaking. You can learn presentation skills. You can learn writing skills. Yep. But you cannot learn to be funny. And how, like, can I uh, say yeah. that? I think it's kind of the que the question: Can I learn how to play football? You can. Yeah. Read Wikipedia about all the rules yeah. and take a ball and kick it around for five years. You will learn how to play football. Uh -huh. Will you be Cristiano Ronaldo? You will not. Can I learn how to drive a car? But you can be David Beckham. <laughs> yeah. No, no, he's this forget because that's how he made himself. He said, even he would say, he said, I'm not the greatest football player. Like, he knows. 
he's actually not that great a football player. But there is one thing that he's really, really great at, and that is kicking, uh, what is it, the, the penalty kicks and stuff like that, because he can bend it, right? The whole bend it like Beckham, he trained himself to do that, and that was his niche. He got himself to become, at the end, captain of the England team, even though, well, one, because he's got charisma, he can lead a team, they like him, and his one skill really is that he bends the ball, he's really good at bending that ball for straight shots to be able to do penalties. But otherwise, as a just standard football player, even he recognized he's not that good. Like, he's good, like, way better than us, of course. He's a good player, but he's not exceptional. He's not brilliant. So you can still be really bloody successful and considered a great football player, but just a very niche one, but still. He does it. And also I'd point out, you once made a remark, we're having this conversation and we were discussing about this whole, it's almost like the fake it till you make it. And you said that by, by default, by being around comedy and doing comedy, it becomes a part of your personality. You do end up becoming funny. No, I said that I think yeah. that you should be a comedian only if you're funny off stage as well. Because otherwise... But you were saying, but later on when we further discussed it, that that's what you started with, but we said that eventually by being funny and successful, that would end up ingrained, become part of your personality. So, like, if you were successful, you would just learn how to make that joke. It's like the fake it till you make it until you finally actually go, oh, it's like faking confidence until you actually have the confidence. And then you do have it. But in the beginning, you faked it. I think the same thing. You can do these core, you could do these, you could learn to be funny, work on it, and you could learn it so to the point where eventually it becomes ingrained that you are funny. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, you can learn uh, systems mm -hmm. of doing a good 20-minute set. Like, you can learn the formula. Yes. You can learn the approach. You can learn the needed skills and mm -hmm. stuff. But I think being funny... Okay, yeah. let's, let's say it like this. I think uh, there, are two, there are two terms that we are working with. Skill and talent, uh -huh. right? I think you can learn the skill but you can't learn the talent. I think you can learn everything that, everything that someone can teach you, mm -hmm. a book, a teacher, uh, hands-on experience, whatever, but you can't learn the talent. And, and that's, why, that's why most, ta most successful people in some kind of, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter, sports, in uh, whatever, in art, in music, in science, in anything, I think they had raw talent, Mm -hmm. which was then shaped and formed into something brilliant by applying skill to it, like some structure, some education and so on. So, but if you just have skill with small or non, no talent, you end up always end up kind of mediocre. Or if you have skill and a lot of hustle, Mm -hmm. You can hustle your way, like weasel your way into TV and Netflix and uh, like selling out Madison Square Garden shows and stuff and be one of them Kevin Hart's or whatever. But so you're saying Kevin Hart has no talent? I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm not saying that, Kevin. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, even though you're probably smaller than me, I still don't want no beef with Kevin Actually, Hart. I don't know. I think, I, think, I think he might still be taller than you. No, he's not. But I... I <laughs> you you I check like, this? I would like to... I have not checked this. And I would like to point out at this point, I do not want any beef with Kevin Hart. <laughs> Kevin, I respect you. Uh, and I respect every person that, like, that works on their act, that works on their... You know what I mean? It's not about, like, these people are not worth the comedy. You know, they're mm -hmm. not worth doing stand-up. But, I mean... What I'm trying to say is, with skill and, and hustle, 
-hmm. You can get all the success in comedy, but does it mean you're funny? Right. Uh, and this is where I have to disagree with you. I would say that eventually with enough skill, you could get to the point where you would have that talent. Like, yeah. So I'm going to say I'm going to disagree with you here. I could say you can learn the skill, but it doesn't mean that you straight away have the talent. It means you'll take you time to get there. Like I said before, it's a good foundation. So as a conclusion, can you learn to be funny? David says, yeah. And I say, no. Yeah. I say you can learn to be a good or great stand-up comedian, but I don't think you can learn to be naturally funny. Yeah. And unlike Igor, I don't want to crush anyone's dreams and I want to say, go for it, you know? No, like, go for you know, it. You, so what? You know, you're not gifted by God as Igor obviously thinks he is. You know, you could just, you could still give it a shot. What I'm saying is, give it a shot. <laughs> well, definitely give it a shot. I don't think I am, you know, naturally funny or <laughs> my, my gift was given to me by God because as you mentioned I have been learning this from young age just in on different context yeah. not in context of stand-up but just being the funny guy and I still don't think that I'm on any level that uh, deserves any respect or admiration since I mean who is Igor Monday anyways, right? Yeah. So that's why if, if I was that great, Mozart was like a wunderkind and a famous pianist at four or whatever yeah. when he wrote his first symphony. So I'm 33 and I'm doing 10-minute uh, spots on Friday shows. So, you know, I yeah. wouldn't say that uh, I am the one to speak, but it's just my personal opinion. I'm sorry, Kevin Hart. Yeah. And I'm saying that... Uh, I Actually, I would say my, the main thing is it's whether the person can internalize those skills or not. So mine is all about internalization. Whether someone can internalize depends on whether they end up with a talent or not. Some people never will. Others, yes, you can. Yeah. And on that note, I think we can wrap up this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah. And if you figure out how to leave comments so that we can see them, because I honestly don't know how, because I've tried and like to comment on other people's podcasts. And I, where the hell do you click? Do you have any idea? If readers you know, please shoot us an email at Podbean or whatever. Comedy Kiosk at the Podbean thing. I think the the reason why we don't see any comments is mostly because people don't leave any comments. I know, but I mean, I mean that's a, the obvious one. But still, it's I not a glitch know. of the platform. David. Oh, no, no, no one listens to this. No, no, I'm just wondering because... We have had someone, like I got my wife to try to comment, I think on, she wanted to comment through the iTunes store or through Spotify, and she just didn't know anywhere where she could leave a comment, like through these different platforms, how to actually leave a comment. She's like, I can't leave a comment to you guys. The only way is if I go to your Podbean actual thing, and there I can directly comment. Imagine it somehow magically actually pops up the comment your wife tried to leave, and it just, we're getting a divorce. <laughs> Um, yeah, if, if someone can leave us a comment just so we see that the platforms work, do that. Or uh, let us know about your comedy experience, your opinions on this topic. And do tell you us if you're Team Eagle or Team David. In general, not just regarding this topic, but in general. Which one <laughs> do you like more? Thank you so much for listening. I've been Igor Monday. I've been David. David who? Well, David Munoz. Fine. David and Goliath. Oh, David Munoz Ferrando. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, that, that got me all turned on. <laughs> and uh, until the next episode. Never doing that again. Oh, fair, fair. <laughs> Don't do it, please. Goodbye. Goodbye. See you later.